News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to the Luke Messiah Show, guys. Uh, I'm coming to you a little later. I'm actually recording this on Thursday afternoon because there's just a lot going on. I was trying to kept trying to think of letting another shoe drop before I recorded this podcast. And um, anyways, first, what I'm going to come to you with is what's going on in the Texas House. So what it looks like happened was that on Tuesday, the Texas House Speaker, Dade Phelan, uh, decided that he was maybe going to start referring some legislation. And then I guess they didn't really have their act together, so they couldn't refer any bills. They didn't make the motions they needed to make or delay the motions they needed to delay. And so that led to them not being able to refer any bills. So they're going to come back to the floor. In fact, they're coming back to the floor in an hour from when I'm recording this podcast. Uh, I will let you know what goes on, but likely uh, as long as two-thirds of the legislature comes to the floor, they will be able to convene and then refer legislation to appropriate committees to get to work for the people of Texas. But one thing we have seen is that the Texas Senate continues to work very quickly. And what I mean by that is that Senate Bill 2, this is a very simple bill that just says that the failure of the Republicans last session should be course corrected, that when they removed the felony penalty for illegally voting. It used to be a felony to illegally vote in Texas. And after our election integrity legislation, it's no longer a felony. So the bill that has been filed, Senate Bill 2, to restore that felony penalty. And, and keep in mind, for the, Senate's, uh, for the sake of charity to the Senate, the Texas House is the one that actually stripped that when they sent it back to the Senate. Okay. So the Texas House initiated and implemented that, and uh, now the Senate is going to be the first chamber to address it. They filed a bill on the 21st. They referred it to the State Affairs Committee on the 22nd. They are going to have a hearing on that bill on Monday. So on Monday, you're going to see committees like the Public Health Committee, the Ways and Means Committee, and the Texas House of Representatives have their first committee hearings. And on those committee hearings, they're literally just going to be like, well, this is our first committee, and these are the members, and this is the clerk, and we're just so glad to be here and do work for the people of Texas. That's going to be their committee, okay? And while they're doing that, the State Affairs Committee on the Senate side is literally going to be like, we are hearing Senate Bill 2. Is there anybody here to testify for Senate Bill 2? And they're going to hear it. They're going to discuss it. Heck, they might even vote it out that day. I don't know. They're taking action on legislation. This is what they need to do. We are past the 40-day mark in the Texas legislature. There are less than 100 days left to pass important policies. Tony Tinderholt sent out a great tweet. And he compared the current legislature to past legislatures. So based on this legislature, or yesterday, I guess this is when he sent it out. Okay. At, on the 44th day, 
in the 85th legislature. This is Joe Strauss's last session. So for those of you who don't know, Joe Strauss was the Speaker of the Texas House until he was kicked out. He was elected by all the Democrats and literally like eight Republicans. He was the most liberal speaker we have had in modern history. It doesn't mean we didn't get good conservative policy out of that legislature because we constantly have to do that. But his wife was a former board member of Planned Parenthood. His family is in the gambling industry. He himself is very socially liberal. But even on his last session, and he mastered the game of slow rolling the session to make sure all the conservative bills died. And we had to work really hard just to get a couple good conservative bills out of the legislature every single year. But even when he was speaker, at this point, 931 House bills had been referred to committees. When, when Dennis Bonin, who literally was kicked out of office due to a massive scandal that conservatives revealed against him, he had referred 617 bills. Currently, the Texas House of Representatives, zero bills. No bills filed. Not a one. The Texas Senate, 705 bills referred to committee so far. The Texas House, zero. Now, they will start referring bills this week if there's enough legislators to convene this afternoon. But do you recognize that they are indeed working as slow as possible? Something's going to die at the end, guys, and it's not going to be because we didn't have time to do it. It's going to be because the Texas House wasn't intent on actually addressing as many issues as possible. Did you know that there is a chance that we actually ban gender modification this session, pass school choice this session, huge wins for conservatives that we have forced a legislative body that doesn't want to address these things to address and still leave a massive amount of things undone? Do you think Texas can afford that? I don't think Texas can afford that. I don't think we can afford to say, well, we stopped after a decade genitally mutilating our children. And we are now the last Republican state in the union to actually have some form of school choice for some parents. Wow, now we have arrived. No. If the libraries in our community are still filled with all this pornography, if drag shows can still happen in front of a four-year-old. By the way, if you have not watched the documentary, Texas Scorecard has a 15-minute documentary. It's, uh, it's, it's titles a little graphic, okay? I'm warning you that before I tell you the title, but the title is It's Not Gonna Lick Itself, okay? And that title is based on a sign that was literally at one of these drag shows with kids, all these children being brought into a drag show, it's not going to lick itself. But this drag show uh, documentary by Texas Scorecard is something that if you haven't watched, you should. It does have some content that should disturb you, okay? But if you want to see what's really going on, I would highly recommend you do it. You can download that on, uh, you can actually watch it on Roku. So if you have a Roku, some of y'all don't know this, but I mean, literally I just downloaded it this week. 
Get on your Roku, go to adding a channel and go to Texas Scorecard. Just type in Texas Scorecard. It'll come up. You can download the channel. You can watch shows there. You can watch the House floor, the House Senate live when it's happening. You can watch the mini documentaries that are there and there are more coming out that I think y'all will appreciate. So yeah, if you go to your app there, whatever, get the Texas Scorecard app. You can just watch it there. But going back to the overall pace and how that's going to affect us, guys, it's not enough to do a couple of these things. And I'm not saying that because I'm not satisfied. I talk about this all the time. And I think so many of you that I know, like here's the reality for us. We're going to be okay. If, If pornography is still in our school libraries, my kids don't go to those schools. They're not going into those libraries. And when we, we, we do go into the local public library, it's just me and them together. We're not going into some weird section and getting some weird books. I'm not taking my kids to a drag show. But do you know who are? Abusive parents. Leftists who are sexualizing these kids. Leftist teachers who are sexualizing the classroom. That's not okay. And if you think that as a state and society, we can be satisfied on June 1 saying these things haven't been addressed, you're wrong. Okay, so let's say we address those things, but we still keep all the diversity, equity, and inclusion programs funded at the university level. We still are going to allow Marxism to literally permeate all of our state universities. You don't think that's going to have an impact? Well, you think we're going to wake up in 20 years and say, hey, society's stronger than ever. We did stick all of our kids into Marxist institutions and taught them that for a long time. I don't know what happened. I thought because we gave school choice, it was all going to get fixed. No, you have to address these things. Last week, we brought you a conversation with Scott Yenner, and I am so grateful for that guy. So uh, first of all, we got a ton of great feedback. A lot of Aggies that I know were texting me going, oh my gosh, what is happening? We got emails back. We know people that emailed Texas A&M University. People were not happy with this. Guys, The we did uh, our podcast episode, Texas Scorecard wrote about this considerably. Scott Yenner himself, as he published this in the American Mind and some other publications, he got a lot of other press on it. That blasted out. This story got a lot of traction. And the reason I know it got a lot of traction is that I am holding in my hand like a 25-page rebuttal from Texas A&M University, okay, explaining themselves. And it is, it is ridiculous. Here's the sad thing. And this is how we're going to close midweek. We are seeing a reaction from state universities in Texas on diversity, equity, inclusion programs, okay? Texas A&M is responding and the University of Texas is responding. They are not responding correctly. Some people have put it out there and acted like, okay, maybe this is a good thing. No, it's not. And let me explain to you why. So I am going to read a statement made by Kevin Eltife, who is the chairman of the Board of Regents at the University of Texas. Kevin Eltife was 
always a moderate Republican senator from East Texas who eventually stepped down and then was appointed appointed by Governor Abbott to the Board of Regents. So if you listen to the conversation I had with Scott Yenner, you heard me talk about the fact that we have regents that are not willing to address these things because they just get appointed and they're all the buddy-buddy system. It's all the who's patting who's back and who's protecting who. So here was his statement. The topic of DEI activities on college campus has received tremendous attention nationally and here in Texas. Yes, Mr. Eltife, yes it has. Quote, to be clear, we welcome, celebrate, and strive for diversity on our campuses in our student and our faculty population. Okay, I, why? Again, just, just, I need to remind you, and you're, I'm going to also insert at the end of this a short clip from America First Legal Institute because this is the same thing happening at a national level by Joe Biden's administration. So understand that like what he is saying is even in line with what Joe Biden's trying to do at a federal level. This is something we're celebrating. And then he says this, I also think it's fair to say that in recent times, certain DEI efforts have strayed from the original intent to now imposing requirements and actions that rightfully so has raised the concerns of our policymakers about those efforts on campus across our entire state. We welcome our elected officials in this legislative session looking into DEI policies throughout higher education in Texas. We will work with them in any way possible, and we will certainly implement any new policies the legislature puts in place. Certain DEI efforts have strayed, have strayed from the original intent. No, they have not, Kevin L. Tyfe. This was their original intent. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is critical theory. It's critical race theory. It's critical gender theory. It is literally saying we need to stop judging people on the content of their character, and we need to start treating them based on the color of their skin. That is what a diversity, equity, and inclusion program is. That is the intent of a diversity, equity, and inclusion program. That is what they are designed to do. That is what they attack. They attack the idea that you could have a colorblind society. They attack the idea that you could say, I am not judging this person based on what they look like, but based on who they are. That is what they try to undermine. They say, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't go there. That is not a virtuous pursuit. What's virtuous is to treat them based on the color of their skin and based on the, on the immutable characteristics, based on the fact that they were born a man and a woman. She was born a woman. You need to know that. You need to treat her like a woman. Things that happen to her need to happen to her because she's a woman, because he's a man, because he's black, because he's brown, because he's white. That is what diversity, equity, and inclusion programs are designed to do. Texas A&M lists all these rebuttals to Scott Yenner's piece, which again, Mr. Yenner, God bless you. So he does all this research. We all talk about it, and they are. You know, one of the things they're really ticked about is this statement that we made that Texas A&M has more diversity officers than the University of Texas at Austin, Okay. And I bet you there's a bunch of Aggies that were pissed about that too. So this is probably one of the ones that they are really, 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 really upset about it. And you know what? Their, their, their whole defense is like hyper-analyzing how much Marxism they have on the university. So their way of winning that argument is like, well, look, if you look at their diversity, equity, and inclusion department and our diversity and, 
equity and inclusion department. I mean, it looks like this heritage study is counting certain diversity officers in our university as hired, but not those same diversity offers at the University of Texas at Austin. This is their defense. Well, they're, they're admitting, oh yeah, we got a lot. We got a ton of these Marxist agents in our university. But we're pretty sure the University of Texas at Austin has more. And the fact that y'all would say that we have more, that's just so offensive. Even though this is literally what we're doing. Let's look at, I mean, they, they then literally include a Regents statement, January 25th, 2021, two years ago. Region statement on diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is where I think I need to come to you and apologize. Like, guys, I never saw this statement on diversity, equity, and inclusion from the University of Texas A&M University system. Their regions put this thing out. I'm sorry that I wasn't on top of this stuff at that time. They're literally grateful for the important work of TAMU's Commission on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Its report highlights the needs for us to continue applying energy and focus on making sure all Aggies share in the extraordinary bond that makes us special. We will not tolerate disrespect of any Aggie by any member of our family, nor will we tolerate the disrespect of Aggie traditions that bind us together. You know what binds Aggies together? Being Aggies. I can meet anybody. He went to Texas A&M. My mom and dad went to Texas A&M. I bleed maroon. We all of a sudden have a bond. Let me talk. I mean, literally in this report, here's the immediate proposed actions of investment. Okay. And this is 2021, 2022. This is $25 million of taxpayer money that is going to get spent. Okay. They're trying to grow the accountability, climate, equity, and scholarship fellows program. That's what they're doing. They are, I'm just like reading through this deal. I'm trying to give you a couple of the different examples. I mean, there's like eight pages. Well, I guess I said 25 pages earlier, which there is. But they're literally talking about how they're going to grow all these different programs that target certain students with certain immutable traits, right? This is what they're focused on. And they just have program after program after program that's lined out in this $25 million. That's what they're going to spend. They want to talk about what AM people of color have done and make iconography about it for a million dollars. And wh what are these programs designed to do? They're designed to target certain students that look a certain way based on their skin color. That's what they're designed to do. They're not there to make all Aggies feel better about being Aggies. They're there to say, hey, we really want to target black people. We really want to target brown people. We want to target people with the last name Macias. We want to make sure that the Macias's at Texas A&M feel even better about themselves. And we have a plan to do it because we're Texas A&M University. 
And A&M reveals all this in their report that says, like, really, this isn't bad stuff, okay? UT says, well, there's a little bit of bad stuff here. We're going to, we'd welcome the legislature looking at this bad stuff. One of the great graphs that Scott Yenner uh, revealed was a study done by the Martin Center for Academic Renewal. Bear in mind, this is after they established their Marxist program in 2010. For 13 years, they're like, we are going to make sure that white, Hispanic, black people, they all feel better. We want everybody at Texas A&M to feel like they're part of the Texas A&M family. I mean, you read through these 25 pages and that's all it says. Okay. I've read it all. I I should stop. I've like kind of read it all. Okay. This is, uh, y'all did not grow up with me. So you don't know what I read it all means. Okay. So I read it all means I looked at all these 25 pages and I like read a lot of the bullet points. And then I would look at this graph and I'd read the budget and I'd call somebody else who read it. So my mom would get on me. Right. Cause she'd be like, did you read that book? I'm like, yeah, I read the book. Well, did you read the whole thing? Well, I kind of read the whole thing. Let's just take the quiz on the book. Okay. I think if I answer the 15 questions about this book, I'm going to get them right. Cause I know the book. Okay, so I've, I'm doing that as a side deal just because I don't want to get in trouble for telling y'all I did something I didn't do, especially if my mom's listening. And if you are listening, mom, I'm sorry. I know you're my number one fan. Okay, so these 25 pages, this is all they say. We want our students to feel like they're better and they're more part of the system. They're really included. So what has this led to? What has the implementation of this Marxist program led to from 2010 to 2023? Well, in 2015, 92% of white students, 88% of Hispanic students, and 82% of black students said they agreed or strongly agreed that they belonged at Texas A&M University, okay? That was the status quo in 2015, and DEI has been supercharged since then. It has gotten way more intense than it ever has gotten. They are doing way more than they've ever done. They're putting more money into it than they've ever done before. So what is it leading to? In 2020, there was another survey of these students. White students went down from 92 to 82% of people who belong to Texas A&M University. So what a leftist would tell you is that, well, that's a good thing. See, these white people, they are not in the oppressed category. They're at the top of the pyramid. These are the oppressors. So as you make a university more diverse, more equitable, more inclusive, then guess what? The people that are the oppressors, they're going to feel less like they belong because this university is just so diverse and equitable and inclusive that they're feeling more left out. That's what the oppressors would tell you. So let's see how Hispanics felt. They went from 88% of them feeling like they belonged to Texas A&M University to 76%. Oof, they dropped too. Now what? Now what's our problem? Now the Hispanics have dropped. Less Hispanics feel like they belong at Texas A&M University. Why? Well, maybe a progressive would tell you, well, see, with the Hispanics, they're kind of like probably more Tejanos. And like me, I'm a Hispanic, but I'm kind of white. So maybe I'm an oppressor, even though my last name is Macias, right? Even though I've had family members that were called wetbacks at times in their life. Like, you know, maybe I'm also an oppressor, right? Okay. So let's go to black students. Because progressives all agree 
They're never the oppressor. They're always the oppressed, okay? So where are they? In 2015, 82% of them said they strongly agreed or agree that they belong to Texas A&M University. DEI gets supercharged, and now only 55% of them feel like they strongly that they either strongly agree or agree that they belong at Texas A&M University. Here's the truth, guys. Marxism is a cancer that destroys everyone. White, Hispanic, black students at Texas A&M University all don't feel like they are part of that university. Less of them feel like they're part of the university than ever before. So your DEI programs, it's not certain DEI programs, by the way. Mr. Eltife, respectfully, it's all of these programs. Stop them. Stop doing them. And if the legislature doesn't wake up to the fact that all of this little activity that's happening is just to try to show, hey, we're just going to cover this up and we're going to change some of them so that maybe y'all don't actually go in and address the real problem. If they don't wake up and address it, that's going to be a problem. And going back to my point at the beginning of this show, guys, do I think we're going to ban gender modification this session? I do. And I hope it's as strong as possible. Do I think we're going to get school choice this session? I actually do. Is that enough? Absolutely not. Does that mean they're bad policies? No, they're great policies. We want to push for those policies. But guys, there are so many problems we have to address. And the legislature only has 140 days to do it. And we're on day 45. And on one side of the chamber in the Texas House, they're not all that excited and they're not getting to it very quickly. So we're going to keep talking about it. And Texas A&M is going to have to keep talking about their Marxist programs. Because Texans are waking up. I hope you have a great rest of your week and your weekend. God bless you and God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to the Luke Macias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com.